Cause we got the alternative energy right. On nuclear free autonomy And welcome to the Radioactive Show Produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne And heard nationally on the Community Radio Network Saturday 29th of April marked the one year anniversary of the nomination of Bandiyuta or Wallabadina in the Flinders Ranges as a federal government's preferred site for a national radioactive waste management facility. It was chosen from a short list of six sites. From the stolen land of the Rurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, on this week's radioactive show, we speak to Dr Susie Anderson from Hawker, the closest town to the proposed site, Robin Rayner and Tom Harris from communities near three of the other shortlisted sites, and Natalie Wosley, long-term campaigner on the topic of radioactive waste. My name is Mara. First, we'll hear from Dr Susie Anderson from Hawker about how her community has been affected by the proposal and get her thoughts on the process so far. I'm Dr Susie Anderson. I'm a general practitioner at Hawker and have lived there for the last 24 years. Uh, thanks, Susie. And how and why did you get involved in the campaign? I don't believe that Flinders Ranges is the right place for any nuclear waste facility. Culturally, geologically unsuitable for paleontological and tourism reasons, it's not the right place for any nuclear waste facility. The site has great cultural significance for the Adnyamatna people and is home to one of the first registered storylines in South Australia. The land is of great significance for the generation of settlers who've lived with the land and the Flinders Ranges, as we've recently learned, is arguably the site of the oldest signs of human life in Australia. I don't think we should be disturbing this country. That is such a valid argument. Um, and how has the last year, um, since the anniversary of the Bandiyuta site being the nominated site, been for the community? It's been a difficult and divisive time for this small community. First, most of us, including the Aboriginal community and the site's direct neighbours, heard of the acceptance of the nomination was when it was reported in the newspapers, along with the assertion that 65% of the local community supported the establishment of the facility. There was a rather survey done at each nominated site, which most locals were unaware of until it was reported, which showed apparently that 65% of respondents around the Bandiuta site were not opposed to hearing more about the proposal. This has stifled the pave on the proposal, as in such a small community of about 300 people, it's important to get along with your neighbours and everyone thought the next person was supportive of the proposal. I don't think this is the case. Late last year, I presented a petition against the siting of any nuclear waste facility in the Flinders Ranges to Minister Canavan. Taking signatures as a percentage of registered voters, 54% of Hawker residents signed this petition against the siting of the facility. Born, the only other town in our council area, was less targeted by the petition, but 42% of Corn residents signed the petition. I believe that the majority of local people don't want a nuclear waste facility on the Flinders Ranges. Sounds like it to me. Um, have you got any other thoughts on the process and the significance of it being one year? In my view, the process of consultation is flawed. I think that incomplete and one-sided information is being presented to the local community. This is to be a low-level waste facility, but there's an intent to bring long-lived immediate level waste to this facility for an indefinite period of time. The federal government and so everyone agrees this site is not suitable for long-term disposal of intermediate level waste, but this waste will be brought to this site. 
it has taken 20 years to get to this er current early phase of the establishment of a low-level waste facility. It's likely to take even longer to establish an intermediate waste facility. There's a real risk with potential changes in the political landscape over the next 50 to 100 years that this intermediate level waste will stay at this unsuitable site forever. Safeguards put in place by well-meaning scientists and politicians today will, can be swept aside in the future when it's politically convenient to do so. Mm. So... I feel that we should... Sorry. I feel that we should look for a site for intermediate level waste rather than bring it to the Flinders Ranges. And so where to from here, do you think? It's a very slow process. It's been 12 months and we have no cultural assessment completed, no geological assessment of the site done at all. It's taking a long time, causing a lot of disruption in the community and may ultimately, for scientific or other reasons, be not go ahead. It's caused a lot of disruption with much uncertainty. Mm. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to add at all? I know that Australia needs to deal with its nuclear waste. I don't think that Australia should be increasing its production of intermediate level waste until it has a safe permanent repository for this. The current proposal to increase the production of medical isotopes for export on a financial basis will increase Australia's intermediate level waste in the near future without a disposal pathway. I feel that we should be looking for a site that has already had use, that it has already been disturbed in the past and not a relatively untouched place with rich fossil history, rich geological significance and as yet not fully explored. Mm, it's just gorgeous and such tourism values as well. It's amazing. Um, and no place to put a dump. Um, so thank you so much for joining us on the show today, um, Susie. We really do appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Thank you. That was Susie Anderson, a doctor and resident of Hawker, the town closest to the proposed site at Banda Utah. Next, we'll hear from Robin Rayner from Hillend in New South Wales. Her property is across the road from the site shortlisted by the government before Banda Utah was chosen and was active in the campaign against a radioactive waste facility in her community. You're listening to The Radioactive Show, broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Hi, my name's Robin Rayner and I um, live at Hillend, New South Wales with my husband on a beautiful property that the government tried to put a disgusting nuclear waste dump across the road from. Uh, Twelve months ago, uh, unfortunately, our friends in South Australia were uh, named as the site, the proposed uh, waste dump site. Um, it was relief that we didn't get chosen, but uh, still, it was still nothing changed for us because... We just still felt devastated that um, our friends in South Australia and especially the Flinders Ranges as well as Kimber are now being named on that site. So, yeah, pretty unhappy about that still. And what have you got um, to say to potentially the people in the Flinders and in Kimber? 
Uh, look, as far as nothing's changed for us, we're still supporting them all the way. Uh, we send our love to them. We send strength to them because we know um, how much this takes out of them. Um, we know that to keep up the fight, they need to have people behind them. And really, this, this shouldn't just be about South Australia. This should be about all of Australia. All of Australia should get behind um, these people because this is wrong. It's been wrong from the beginning. I've always said that and I stick to that. And we should all be showing support for these people because this will affect everybody. Um, and I just feel that the government need to step up and do the right thing and stop this and stop this procedure now and um, take these people off the list and then go about finding a better place for something so um, important as nuclear waste. Thank you so much for that, Robin. No, that's all right. So sending our love to everyone in South Australia and, um, yeah, look, we, we're still there fighting with them. That was Robin Rayner from Hill End, who spoke of her experience when the radioactive waste facility threatened her community and of her support and solidarity with the Flinders community. Next, we'll hear from Tom Harris from Kimber, a town in South Australia that was home to two of the shortlisted sites but is now home to two new nominations. Hey, farm, what's someone who studies things under the sea called? Uh, an undersea researcher? Wrong. If you reckon you can do better than farm at Trivia, join the Out of the Blue team for our annual Radiothon fundraiser, Wednesday the 10th of May at Highlander Bar, 6pm. And get your tickets via the Out of the Blue Facebook page or search Out of the Blue on eventbrite.com.au. Can I just ask you to introduce yourself, please? Yeah, I'm Tom Harris, a farmer from Kimber on the Eyre Peninsula. Uh, now, can you tell me um, how and why you got involved in the campaign against the radioactive waste facility? Yes, Mara, well, we were um, first made aware of it um, by not any government process as such for a start, but um, we heard from neighbours of farms who were nominated and we didn't think that was a very good process on the way to go about it. So we formed a group in Kimber uh, called No Radioactive Waste on Agricultural Land in Kimber or South Australia. And we've since from then grown into quite a large group around our Kimber area. And um, we actually... We think that um, the way our local government is talking about, you know, we've got the clean green image in South Australia and how we've got very good clean products, but we don't see a fit with the radioactive waste at all. Um, There's been plenty of assurances given by ANSTO and what have you, but we, uh, you know, there's no guarantees at all. Um, Bruce Wilson has made comment that he assures us nothing will go wrong. Well, from where we sit, his assurance is not worth anything in the big picture. And we just felt that the government process was abominable. And uh, 
yeah, we decided to form the group. Um, and so yeah. how has it been for you all, um, being first in the you know, six originally nominated unshortlisted sites and then almost a year later two more sites in your community have been nominated? Yeah, well, it's been very disappointing. We um, we rallied pretty hard with the first time it came and visited us when the first six nominations were had. We um, had 120 days of consultation, which our eminent member for Gray, Mr Ramsey, said he would do. He would get us an extension instead of 60 because it was at a harvest period when we were pretty busy. Now, from our point of view... Um, the first time round, it was done and dusted. Mr Frydenberg didn't put timber off the map and said there was no community, broad community support was not there. After the election, where Mr Ramsey had a 10% swing against him and nearly lost his seat, up it popped again. The government saying that uh, farmers can still nominate. So there was another group formed in timber which promoted the idea and they have some fairly influential people in their group. Lo and behold, we know it's come back to visit us again. And one of the nominations is still being put in by a former nominee. And so the fight continues, and we're bitterly disappointed. We thought that after round one, that would be the end of it. Mm, you would have hoped. And do yeah. you have a message of support or solidarity for the people in the Flinders Ranges who've been fighting this for the last year, it being the nomination anniversary recently? Yes, well, I know our group um, has been in contact with them, um, particularly with Regina and the other people up there. And we certainly um, we feel empathy for them with what they're going through. And I know they do feel the same for us and, and we certainly uh, intend to stick together on this uh, issue because um, I just feel, or we as a group, we just feel that it's been very poorly managed and if this is the best the government can do to try and find a diet, well, we sort of think, no wonder, you know, well, it's going to be uh, a bit of a bad time ahead for all of Australia if this gets over the line in agricultural area. Mm. So how would you like to see things progress? Well, obviously now that um, for whatever reason timber has been added again, um, they are talking about a community vote of such in timber to see whether there is broad community support. We don't feel that it is just a timber um, problem because timber's at the top of their peninsula, and their peninsula grows about three million ton of grain, and which is you know quite a considerable. Um, slice of grain on the peninsula that all goes out the point of Port Lincoln. Well, you know, that's one of the main reasons we just, and I think as people on the peninsula get to hear about it, the, the annoyance will become much more broader because I haven't spoke to anyone that thinks it's a good idea out of our, outside our community. Mm. Um, is there anything else you would like to add, Tom? I guess, you know, we just have to unfortunately keep battling on. Um, it's, you know, the government and the, the Department of Industry and Science are here two days a week again, and they even went to the school the uh, day before yesterday, and all they're doing is trying to brainwash the people, <laughs> and, uh, you know, unfortunately, the dollars, I think, are what's um, driving the people in Kimber that do support it, they can't do anything wrong or they can see dollars. Mm. 
and it's probably a bit like a scam that comes on your computer. If you think it's too good to be true, well, it probably is. Yeah, that's right. I think that's the major thing with this. Um, if you took the money away, probably no one would want it, but it's the dangling of the money that has persuaded some of the people who that live in the town. I can understand they've got nothing to lose, so if they can get some free money... Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Tom. Um, yep. We really do appreciate your time and stay in touch and there's um, support for you and the people in the Flinders Ranges all around yep. the country. So anytime, yep. let us know what we can do to help. We just heard from Tom Harris from Kimber and heard about his experiences being in a community home to two shortlisted sites that were rejected, followed by another two sites whose nominations were recently accepted by Federal Resources Minister Matt Canavan. Next, we'll speak to Nat Wasley from the Beyond Nuclear Initiative, long-time nuclear-free campaigner with a particular focus on radioactive waste. You're listening to The Radioactive Show. Thanks, Nat. Thanks for joining us. Um, and can you please briefly explain your thoughts on the nomination process? The nomination process that's led to these sites in South Australia being shortlisted and assessed for the National Radioactive Waste Facility is the end of a more than 20-year process where communities across the country have just been chosen for being remote, for being politically disenfranchised and have had this waste dump forced on them by the government. But what we've seen is successive communities fight back and actually stop waste dumps all across Australia. And there's a very consistent and dedicated fight coming from these communities in South Australia as well. Mm, and they're, they're strong and they're organised, but it, it's been a year now. Um, in the um, case of Bandiusha, what significance do you attach to this anniversary? Well, the government, successive governments, have been trying to find a community across Australia to host the National Radio for Waste Facility. And this latest incarnation has uh, seen one year of Bandiuda being the only site that was originally shortlisted and assessed. There was a process where communities across the country were chosen. This was narrowed down to the one at Bandiuda, and they've been the only one under assessment for a year. For the people around Bandiuda, for the traditional owners and local community members, one year is very significant because it marks one year of stress that was unnecessary, one year of waking up every morning with this nuclear cloud hanging overhead, and one year where every single day people have spoken again and again to the media, to their local politicians, to their community members to voice opposition to this waste dump being here. And they've been very strong talking about the cultural, the environmental and the social reasons why they don't want this dump to go ahead. So while the government may just see it as, you know, one more year in a very protracted process, one year is very significant for people because it marks, you know, a long time that they've been fighting and that they can see that there may be many, many more years ahead as well. Mm, well, hopefully it's shorter than the um, almost decade-long muckety fight. Um, and so what do you think the two nominations in Kimber um, that came up recently, what do you think that means for the Bandiuta site? And then what do you think it means for Kimber? It was really disappointing to see the Kimber sites come back onto the table. It was Groundhog Day for Kimber, really, and reopening very recently sealed wounds. The process was extremely divisive for the community, um, 
it's a very, very stressful thing. And, you know, people have personal reasons. They have business reasons that they're opposed to it. They have, again, environmental concerns. So it is disappointing that government is continuing to pursue these sites. Some people felt like it hadn't gone away. They still weren't feeling like they were in the clear when they weren't put on the shortlist. And indeed, their region is again being targeted. Um, and so is there anything else you'd like to add on this anniversary occasion? What do the Kimba renominations mean for Bandida is a very interesting question. And no one knows that answer except Minister Matt Canavan. And of course, he's not saying to any of the communities that they're being ruled out. What he's doing is just adding more communities to that stressful pile where they're, again, waking up every day wondering what's going to be happening. The minister and the government don't want to rule out anything because they want to have lots of options on the table. But it's abundantly clear from these sites that there's strong community opposition, that it's organised and that that's not going to go away. And looking at the one year for Bandiuda, we see you know, almost every week there's discoveries around archaeology, paleontology, you know, that are new, very exciting and very significant, not just for the Flinders Ranges region, but indeed for the whole country. And these are things that need to be invested in. We need to be spending a lot more time, effort, resources, money, supporting the local community to be involved in these sort of exciting discoveries and documenting what traditional knowledge has you know, held for these many, many generations anyway. But people shouldn't have to do that in exchange for having a high-impact long-term facility. So I would really like to see funding going to the community to support these projects and these really exciting scientific discoveries without the trade-off having to be under assessment for a national radioactive waste facility. Absolutely. What do you think would be a better way forward to find a site for the radioactive waste? With stakeholders, and that's national environment groups, health organisations, trade unions, community members, have consistently been asking for a robust and independent inquiry. We need to look at production of radioactive waste. We need to look at the current inventory and current storage facilities and consider the full range of management options. And it's been consistently looking for a single remote facility. That's one option, but it's not the only one. And indeed, if there's issues at particular storage facilities now, then that needs to be urgently addressed and upgraded because it's been 20 years. So if there is a problem with those facilities, it's not going to be solved within the next six months. So we need to urgently address and examine some of those issues while we look at a process that's inclusive, that's from the ground up, not top down. Because while the government continues to throw darts at a map, hoping to find an area of least resistance, they're going to come up against organised, strong community campaigns. And as we've seen time and time again, proposals are going to be knocked off. So we're saying get out of the trenches, bring people to the table. This is a very important discussion to have, but it starts at looking at production because we don't want to keep pushing this waste away or sweeping the problem under a carpet somewhere. We need to be looking at production. We need to be really assessing uh, options for production of nuclear medicine, which many, many doctors' organisations say don't require this nuclear reactor to be operating for. Yeah, it's very complicated and the government seems to not be using their logic in trying to push a dump facility on um, innocent communities, really, rather than putting the hard work into finding a logical and a fair place and the best and most responsible way to store it, which 20 years later you'd think they'd learn, but apparently they're quite slow like that. 
there's really exciting opportunities to move forward with decentralised production of medical radioisotopes. And that's something which Australia could become a world leader in. Instead, they're continuing to look at this outdated technology and as a result of that, having to force this very toxic uh, product on remote and usually Aboriginal communities, but definitely remote and regional communities. What do you think we can do to get the government to change their approach? We need people all across Australia to be aware of what's actually happening with radioactive waste production and management. It's surprisingly a lot of people who live in the Sydney region don't even know that the Lucas Heights reactor is operating, what it does and where that waste is destined to go. So there is a lot of work being done around education, uh, looking at options for radioactive waste production and management. And so really we need that awareness across Australia. We need that conversation because it's not just people at the site of production or the site of waste storage that are affected. It's people who live all along proposed transport routes that may be affected as well, having trucks or trains coming through their local communities. So we want people to have access to technologies that they require, but we don't want that to be at the expense of people in remote areas um, unnecessarily. And we don't want to be creating more facilities that require management when we could just be utilising the ones and upgrading the ones that we currently have. Mm, and it really is a national issue, especially when you look at it. It's everybody's waste and all the transport routes potentially getting it to any site in a rural community. So it's something that all Australians need to um, step up and say this needs to be done right. And I really would like to see the government uh, seriously considering some of the proposals put forward by medical associations, looking at you know decentralised production um, in cyclotrons and some of the exciting technology that's being developed in Canada and around the world and investing in that rather than continuing to pour money into this nuclear reactor, um, which is ageing, of course, and which is producing this waste, which is a you know, long-lived industrial toxic product to deal with. Mm. Well, let's hope they start to take a better approach. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Nat. Your experience and knowledge is fantastic and it's really valuable having your insight on the show. Thank you, Mark. Can I just say, um, on this one-year anniversary for Bandiyuda, that I have such huge admiration for the tenacity and determination of people on the ground, traditional owners, the local community, and people supporting them all across the country, because it is a long, hard struggle. Many of the people supporting the community now have been involved for decades, and you know they're, they're going to be there in the long haul until we see an outcome that's environmentally and socially just. So on this one year, it's a significant date, for people having, you know, that terrible news when they woke up and found they were the only ones left on the shortlist. And I know that people from the other communities have sent their solidarity wishes and that they haven't gone away either because they understand the stress. So so really, I'll be there. Your nuclear initiative will be there. I know that people across Australia who've been involved in these campaigns previously will also continue to support. Absolutely, and hopefully it'll be quicker than the muckety fight. Hopefully we get a good outcome. <laughs> thanks so much again for your time, Nat. Thank you, Mara, and thank you, Radioactive Show. <laughs> thank you to today's guests, Dr Susie Anderson, Robin Rayner, Tom Harris and Nat Wosley for their thoughts on the one-year anniversary of the nomination of Bandiyuta in the Flinders Ranges as the federal government's preferred site for the National Radioactive Waste Dump. Please contact Minister Canavan and ask him to halt this flawed, stressful and divisive process and take a fair and responsible approach to the management of Australia's radioactive waste.
you can call his Rockhampton office on 07 4927 2003 or send an email to senator.canavan at aph.gov.au. We'll post his contact details on our website and Facebook page. Thanks for listening to The Radioactive Show. You can download the podcast of this program at www.3cr.org.au slash radioactive. If you'd like to get in contact, you can email us on radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com. The Radioactive Show was produced in the studios of 3CR with the support of Friends of the Earth on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation in Fitzroy, Victoria, and is broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Thanks for listening and tune in again next week for more news and views on nuclear peace and energy issues. The Clock Tower Centre presents a definitive story from our neglected Indigenous history with Obidjeri Theatre Company's production of Corrandirk. Based on the true story of the men and women of Corrandirk Aboriginal Reserve who went head-to-head with the Aboriginal Protection Board. This special production brings these voices from the past to life. Performing Wednesday the 24th of May at 8pm. Bookings and more information at clocktowercentre.com.au or call 9243 9191. That's 9243 9191. A 3CR supporter. On the weekend of May 20 and 21, the harmonious and enlightening Buddha's Day and Multicultural Festival will grace Federation Square. Celebrating our multicultural and multi-faith society, people from all walks of life can enjoy a host of free and insightful activities. There's everything from entertaining cultural performances to unique tea meditations, plus children's activities, a world peace ceremony and delectable vegetarian food fair. For more information, visit buddhaday.org.au and that's spelt B-U-D-D-H-A-D-A-Y buddhaday.org.au a 3CR supporter. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.